as creatives, it's up to us to make it interesting for ourselves. Like the way you look at your numbers, the way you challenge yourself, the way you challenge your administrators and the people around you, there's creativity to that. From RevThink, you're listening to the RevThinking Podcast, a conversation between creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. I'm Joel Pilger. Today is another episode in our profiles of the Creative Entrepreneur Series, where we are talking with Josh Norton, president at New York-based motion design studio, Big Star. Welcome to Rev Thinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios, so you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Now here is your host, Joel Pilger. Hi, it's Joel. Hello from New York, where today I'm really pleased to bring you yet another episode in our series, Profiles of the Creative Entrepreneur, with Josh Norton from Big Star. Now, in this series, we are interviewing inspiring creative entrepreneurs to learn about their journey navigating the intersection of creativity and business. One quick announcement before we dive in, RevThink does have quite a few events and conferences slated for the new year, and I thought it would be good to let you know about those. We are looking at being in Miami in January around the 16th for the NatP convention. We will be delivering a session there. We're also looking at putting on an event in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. That'll be on or around January the 19th. And that will be our first RevThink conference called Catalyst on Creative is Easy, but Business is Hard. Then February 21, we'll be in New York City for our Creative Entrepreneurs conference that is in partnership with Promax BDA. And then March 12th and 13, we will be in Rome, Italy, meeting with creative agency owners at Creative Entrepreneurs for Promax BDA Europe, talking about the agency of the 21st century. To stay up to date with these events and more, I invite you to go to revthink.com and you'll see on the right side of the page a subscribe button. That way you can Make sure you get updates on all of the things we're up to. Okay, so let's get into today's episode with Josh Norton. First, a little background on Josh. He started his career freelancing at Imaginary Forces before going out on his own to launch Big Star in 2004. Since then, the studio has consistently tackled top-notch assignments for such notable names in entertainment as HBO, Sony Pictures, Food Network, and top brands on behalf of agencies like TBWA, Havas, and Saatchi and Saatchi. You can view all of their outstanding work at their website. That's bgstr.com, bigstar.com with no vowels. Now, it's worth mentioning that Big Star is a RevThink client. In fact, they are our longest running client. Our team has been working closely with Josh and his team for almost a decade. And I have to say, it's been a thrill to play a valuable role in their success. Okay, let's dive into my conversation with Josh Norton at Big Star in New York City in this next episode of Profiles of the Creative Entrepreneur. So Josh, how long have you and I known each other? Because I think when you and I met, I was still running my agency. Yes. And that would have been, what, maybe five years ago? Sounds about right. Because I was in sort of like my last year or two, mm -hmm. and you and I connected. I remember seeing the impossible real and saying, wow, these are, these are serious guys. Like, this is a real place. Yeah, yeah. And you're making me blush because I'm like, seriously? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember seeing uh, the impossible real and um, seeing very colorful, rich live action and good motion graphics. That's so funny, dude. Yeah. Because I, of course, feel like anything that I did in my career was so long ago, even though it was only a few years since getting out of that side of the business, um, that that body of work is like already super aged and like... I don't know. I think that you were mining a vein of this kind of approachable, very humanistic live action that mm -hmm. had a lot of... Um, uh, that had a lot of motion in it, that had a lot of action in it, sun-drenched photography mm, right. um, with kind of... Uh, nice, rich kind of daytime colors. That's what I remember. That's so interesting. A kind of a, a energetic brightness to your work. And, uh, and I thought it was fairly advanced for, you know, for that look and that time. I bet you it holds up just fine. Well, I, I always chuckled when people would say, and you're in LA, right? 
And then the people that are in LA would always say, and you're in New York, right? Right. And then I had, would always be like, no, we're in Denver. And everyone would be like, what? What does that mean? Yep. How does that work? That was always a fun story to tell. But when you and so I think it was at Promax that you and I met. Were we, were we both repped by the same rep at that time? Who were you repped by? Carol. Yes. But you were also, were you working with Tim at that I've time? I've been working with Tim for over 10 years. Oh, really? Over 10 years now? Yeah. Because I thought it was like seven or eight, but it's been 10 years. It's been 10, right, so around, have, right around 10 years. So this is like the um, full disclosure moment, right? When I'm like, Josh is a client of RevThink. 10 years, that means you're, you're definitely the, the, you have the... I was the incubator for RevThink. Yeah. <laughs> I was the, the guinea pig test subject for a lot of what, you know, the mechanics of RevThink are. And proud to say so, because it worked out for all of us. Right. Um, Tim Thompson came along uh, as somebody who helped me negotiate um, my uh, partnership breaking up. Oh, I see. Right. Yep. And at the time I had an LA office and... Um, my executive producer at the time, Judy Bowers, um, suggested that I talk to Tim um, about our, our finances. And shortly after, we decided to go separate ways as partners. Um, and, and, and Tim had quite a few Tim, opinions on finances, I'm sure. Tim, yeah, Tim both had a, a lot of opinions on finances and kind of how to run the day-to-day um, when it came to uh, cash flow and administration, administrative things. Uh, as well as ways to think about bringing up a partnership and to get things in a in a good place, and he helped a lot with both of those things. Um, and we ended up uh, continuing our relationship and deepening our relationship through the years. Right. Yeah. So how how old was Big Star at that time, or was about it about four years? Okay, it was about four years in. So total total years now, Big Star is is about fourteen years. Okay, wow. Now, when you think back, when you first, when you first started Big Star, what was the big idea? Like what, when you think back and you say, you know, the reason I got into this business, what was sort of the, dr- the driving idea? You know, I, I think that there's a, there's a few things. The reason I got into this business is because I love all the things that we do. You know, the playing with photography, with live action, with special effects, with graphic design, with 3D, with sound, with editing and music. This is all, these are all tools for us. uh, And we're allowed to get our hands on them and actually do things with this very mixed media approach. That's exciting to me still. And it was exciting to me when I was a college student. It was Mm -hmm. exciting to me when I was in high school. Um, So... You know, title sequences were a very um, early uh, influence on me as far as an example of that approach, where you can take all these tools and you can make a moment out of it. So, uh, creatively speaking, that's why I got in. Because all now that why, stuff. Now, you could have been gone and been an employee and done all that stuff, but at some point you said, I want to run my own shop. What's, right. what's the difference there? Because clearly taking on that is taking on way more than just the craft. Sure. I'll, I'll answer in two ways. Um, one, I think I'm just a hustler by nature. I, I, like, I like to challenge myself to hustle and to do things that other people are afraid to do and take risks. I think that's just part of who I am. Right. Um, so that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Wanting to take the risk of running my own business uh-huh. and being a, you know, being somebody who calls their own shots and is their own boss is probably something that appealed to me uh, right away. Um, just, I think, me being true to my nature. Um, then, uh, you know, I worked with some really, really brilliant people very early on in my career. I mean, we are literally standing right now a half a block away from my first job interview in New York City um, at the Starleet High building um, at version two. And I would have done anything to get that job and they knew it. And I remember oh, they knew I, it? Yeah, yeah, I took the job interview with Frank Devlin over at version two and it was a kind of, it was a finishing branch of version two editorial um, called Liquid Light at the time. And Frank Devlin was the executive producer. It was the most beautiful office to this day I've ever been in. Amazing, imperial, gorgeous office. I walk in, 
as a kid who just graduated from college and I looked around and um, I basically said, I, when do I start? I'm, I'll do anything, you know. Um, and they took you up on that? Yeah, they took me up on that. And it was funny because the job interview started at a, as a posting for $35,000 per year um, job. And by the time the job interview was over, it was $30,000 a year. <laughs> I knew that was where this was headed. Yeah. Because so, yeah, you're like, I'll do anything. I'll do they're anything. Like, they're like, will you, will you take a 10, you know, 15% pay cut? Absolutely. So... I did that for 10 months as an assistant. I got fired because I was a bad assistant, but I met a lot of great people there. Then I had a connection um, with an editor, Tina Mintis, over there, and she got me over to um, Imaginary Forces. And at Imaginary Forces, I worked with um, really talented, very smart designers and creatives who I still am in contact with today. Um, and I loved being there. You know, that's Kyle Cooper's shop. Yep. And this was one block south of here. So if you draw a triangle of three blocks, then this is my world right now still. So I'm constantly reminded of, the, of my beginnings in the city. Yeah, that's um, interesting. At any rate, um, I freelanced there for about two, two and a half years. And I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I felt like I was never really going to get what I wanted out of the place. Which was? Which was, I wanted to be an art director. I wanted to have some say in the creative that I was producing. And I was simply a pair of hands. Uh, and, and I learned a ton there. I, you know, I walked in somewhat of a hack. And two years later, I pretty much knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But I was also sharing space with people who were 40 and I was 25. And I was working on bigger projects than them doing work faster and better than them and that struck me as a rut that i really didn't want to fall into yeah so um i always took clients on my own uh at night i'd done that from the very beginning since i touched you know since i got to new york i was doing press kits for rappers in queens or i was mm. doing you know other types of photography projects on the side and I decided to make a commitment to that, to my own hustle, to my own thing. And I talked to my, um, my good friend, Alex Kravitz, who was a pharmaceutical salesman at the time. Um, and I said, we should, we should just do this business together. And yeah, those guys know something about sales and hustle. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. Um, and uh, we had a, a, a very healthy trust between us and we were able to just buy a computer and throw it in my East Village apartment and, you know, and just committed. And at that point, I stopped going into anybody's office. And, uh, and that was a, a big change for me. And honestly, I made that change not only because it was true to my nature, but because I really felt like with who I was and, um, and who I am, I wasn't really going to get the kind of position I wanted at a company, a premier company like Imaginary Forces. Right. Um, and I could have been totally wrong about that, but that was a motivating factor. I looked around and said, I kind of don't really, really fit into the top level creatives around here. I don't have the pedigree. I have to go make my own thing. Well, I'm, la I'm laughing because last night over dinner, I was talking with another owner and she and I were comparing our years in the restaurant and service industries and I was telling her, you know, the biggest thing I learned when I delivered pizzas for Domino's was hustle. Yeah, sure. And once I learned that lesson, it's amazing how much that gave me the, like a spark as an entrepreneur to sort of realize, wait a minute, the faster I move, the smarter I become, the more I can create the future that gets me excited. Yeah. And that's sort of what I'm hearing in your story. Yeah, very, very much so, you know, and. You know, working at restaurants when I was young had a big influence on me. You, if you, so you, if you serve drinks too? faster, if you, if you, you know, if you bust tables faster, if you, whatever, whatever, if you work harder, you get more out of it, right? right. And so, and I, the I, results are right there; they're tangible. It makes me wonder yeah. if we did a survey of everyone in the industry that is like of owners, mm -hmm. how many of them spent years in the restaurant hospitality <laughs> industry right because i think right. a lot of people have learned that that like hustle serve understand empathy you know make it happen i agree i think for my for my story and the path that i've taken 
that has been hugely informative and and valuable i also think that you get to a certain point as a creative and as a thinker where you have to let some of that go and you have to stop being service oriented and that's where you become um that's where you are at the level of in imaginary forces. That's where you are at the level of these other companies that you hold in such high regard. So I came from a blue collar background and I was not in a blue collar environment. And so I needed to take a different path. Mm-hmm. I needed to take the path of starting a service based creative business um, that was very much small time and grow it organically step by step through really, really hard work and hustle. Um, and there's been a lot of trials and tribulations along the way. Um, but that, that was my path. I didn't have the design pedigree or, or background or frankly talent to be able to take the route that was in front of me at this larger company. And I, I, I kind of had the feeling that that was the case. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, uh, this was a fork in the road and I decided to do my own thing and perhaps it, it could have ended up very differently. You, you made an interesting point there when you talked about how when you start out and you're first in business and you, you, you know, we tell ourselves, oh, we're in a service business. And so we think it's all about just serving and helping and bending over backwards and doing all that as much as we can. And to a point, that's how you get started. But then as you're not only your role in the industry, but even in running a business as that evolves, you start to realize, you know, actually I need to start leaving that behind and focus more on actually being the leader and being the expert and guiding people. It's not really about reacting right. and serving as much. Service is always part of it, of course. But it's interesting that as businesses mature, you start to realize it's not about just doing whatever, whatever somebody asks of you and just doing, you know, no. following every whim and being as helpful as possible. Like that starts to backfire on you. It does. And, and opposes your maturity and growth because it's like, no, you need to step up and lead and tell the client this is how it's going to go because I know what you're trying to accomplish. You, I need you to trust me. This is going to be great. Yeah. No, very, very much so, Joel. And I think that's, that's a huge step for a creative business. And it doesn't happen overnight. It comes with experience. So if you are an entrepreneur that has a, a good start on a business and you've been doing it for a couple of years, it's hard to take that position of leadership, of authority. Um, but you'll find once you've done a project that is similar a dozen, two dozen, three dozen times, all of a sudden you see the patterns and you are an expert and you can call things out early on. You can set up structures for success. Um, in the projects that come in. And, and then you also have the confidence to say, you know, this is the first time we're gonna do this. And you can still be an expert in doing things for the first time. Uh, but it, it just, it takes a while. And I would say for me, it's taken like a long time to get there. It's taken at least, you know, the majority, I would say 10 years plus for me to get to that point where I, when I left, you know, my freelance life with Imaginary Forces and other companies and came into doing my own business, it's taken at least 10 years to gain that experience and confidence. I've spent most of that 10 years faking it, you know, and, and pretending like I'm an expert, but now I really believe it. Right. I know I often say fake it till you make it. Um, and I don't say it lightly. Like there's actually a, a really cool concept there called if you if you sort of imagine it and step into it, you'll create that reality. But you used a word a second ago, confidence, that I think is such a huge word. One of my mentors taught me many, many years ago that the only thing you really have to sell, the only thing you really have to offer the world is confidence. And at the time I was like, no, I offer, and I started listing off my services, whatever, right? And he really challenged, challenged me. He said, no, think of it. When you lack confidence, think of what you're, how, how much you're stuck and frozen, unable to step up and perform. But when you have complete confidence, what are you capable of? And I was like, oh, yeah. 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 And as, so, yeah, as you develop that confidence and you start learning how to nurture it and how to s- protect it and actually lean into it, 
it becomes a really awesome, powerful thing, especially as a creative and as an entrepreneur, sure. right? In both in both ways. I, I agree, and I think it, it. You know, in small businesses, and I think especially small creative businesses, it's a very personal thing. You know, you're, you know, Joel, you were the, you were the guy that created your company, right? It revolved around you. Yeah, you're the nucleus. I, I remember of, it well <laughs> of this ecosystem that you built. Yeah. Right. Um, so these uh, lessons in confidence, um, in humility, in service, and in, in, in evolving as an individual affects your business so much that it's one and the same. You know. So I would say that everybody will have their own path. You know. For me, I described some of that some of that path and some of my motivation and background, that's my path. That's, that's what got me here. Yeah. Um, there will be similar elements of, of confidence and, and humility and steadfastness and like how tough can you really be? Um, what are you willing to risk? All those things. These are all, these are all pretty personal things, you know? Yeah. And I think personality has a, a lot to do with it. And that's what's cool about being part of a small business is it is a reflection of of yourself to a degree and your own growth, you look around and you're like, oh, they, this is where I am in life. You know? yeah, it's intensely personal. It's I, intensely personal. For yeah. some reason, I, the, the quote just came to my mind from, um, you remember the Nora Ephron movie, the You've Got Mail? Nope. Well, Tom, <laughs> the Tom Hanks character, he's always, he's the shrewd businessman. He's always saying, it's not personal, it's business. And he puts Meg Ryan's little shop out of business. Right. And her response at, in, towards the end of the movie is, yeah, but it was personal to me. Sure. What do you mean it's just business? It was personal to me. And I think as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a creative entrepreneur, especially, it's super personal because it's not just your business. It's also your, in a way, your self-expression because you're creating every day. And, all, and the work and the craft is personal. The business is personal. It's all personal. It's a big reflection of just your extension of your personality and your ego and all, all that goes with that. It is. And I, th I, I think... Uh, uh, a change that happens is um, your efforts become much less about expressing yourself and much more about um, creating a solid business for the people around you. Um, and that's when you become more of a business leader. So that makes me want to ask this question. So when you started your business, I think every creative that starts a business goes in with a certain desire a certain expectation and then years later you realize oh wow there's this reality of running a business mm. and there's a certain amount of a wake-up call <clears throat> i remember one one client i was working with um, from a motion design studio put it this way he said you know i thought i started a creative studio but then years later woke up and realized i was running a business and i'm just curious what's that journey been like for you has that been exciting and fun or has it been just tough and hard to reconcile those two? I don't know. I, I don't necessarily see running a business different than running a creative studio. I think it's a creative business, you know, and it's something that um, I've been excited about for a very long time. So um, I, don't, I don't really, I don't have that same, um, you know, delineation right. uh, between the two. I, I think that uh, the numbers and um, financial trends that your company will um, start to carve out over the years uh, is is all really interesting stuff to look at. Um, as and it's there's a, there's a beauty to running a business, you know. And I think as as creatives, it's up to us to make it interesting for ourselves. Like the way you look at your numbers, the way you challenge yourself, the way you challenge your administrators and the people around you, there's creativity to that. There absolutely is. And there's all of these other elements that come into play that are, you know, the elements that got you in in the first place, the kind of, you know, mixing of personalities, the uh, management of, um, you know, emotions and, and having empathy for people and being able to articulate a point of view um, in a consistent fashion. It's like you're, you know, the better you are at running a business, I think the better you're going to be as a creative uh, because you're able to be strategic. You're able to, you know, have tough conversations. 
you're able to stand up for what you think is right, you know, and that's all things you need to do as a business owner and also as a, as a, as a CD or an ECD, you need to do those things as well. So it, it is, it is management and you should be creative about the way that you do your business. And if you're not, I think you're going to get tired, you know, and I, I, cause I've, I would say if I've been in a rut before it hasn't, look, there's been some dark days where I looked at the numbers and I was like, gosh, if we don't get a job soon, I'm going to have to really rethink my whole life. And I, I'm not ready to do that right now. So how do I get through to the next day? And there's been some dark days um, because of that. But I think besides the financial stuff, the darkest days were either I had to work very closely with people that I shouldn't be working with on, on, a, on a staff or partner level, or I'm not being creative with my business. I'm not, you know, um, inventing new ways and new processes. I'm not looking into new gear. You know, I'm not challenging myself to set up new platforms for a creative discovery in my own world. My culture is stagnant. Like you got to be creative as, as a, um, as a business owner. I really love that because I think what I hear there is an embracing of Yes, I'm a creative. Yes, I run a business, but the two are, like you said, there's not a delineation there. It's all an integrated person living out one career, right? Because I think a lot of creative people that say, oh, I'm going to go, someday I'm going to run my own shop. They think it's just going to be, I get to go be a creative and do what I want to do. And it's actually a much bigger story, a much bigger journey than that. And Indeed. I'm sort of chuckling, right? Because I was commenting on your whiteboard here in your office earlier yep. today. And I was like, what is that a s server configuration and topography of how you're going to cable and wire. And I'm just laughing because I think of you as a creative director, but yet here you're having to send Come on, how much solve, fun is that? Yeah. You're solving it and operations infrastructure. And I'm like, yeah, this is the, this is the journey of the creative entrepreneur, right? It's yeah. a problem, but I get, I get to solve that. You could view that as like, well, that, that, that's a pain in the ass or Hey, this is pretty awesome because once this gets installed, think of what we're now capable of. I also think that like really constructive, creative thinking can be applied to everything that you come into contact with. So, you know, as a creative business owner, I would say this to um, especially to the up and coming on creative entrepreneurs as a creative business owner. It's like use your creativity to engage with the people that you have to partner with, not only on a client level, but the people running your building, the way that you design your office, the way that you think about your tech, the table you buy, all of these things are, you know, are avenues for you to be creative. Um, and, uh, I, when you look around, uh, when I look around my office, I see a lot of creative decisions in physical form. Um, and be creative with the way that you engage the world, the business world. Um, people appreciate it. People appreciate a, a different perspective. You know, you don't want to come in and think that, you know, you are the only one who can think of new ways of doing things and every time you approach a problem as a creative you do something different it's don't force it but really think creatively about every piece of your business and i think you'll find it more exciting and more rewarding and more successful well when you think about the fact that all your clients are in business as well everyone's dealing with the realities of what it means to be in business well even if they're an employee sure at thing. a large entity they're still operating in the business world and the fact that you're running a business it creates a certain amount of understanding and empathy of hey we're all trying to get something done here right. we're trying to solve a problem you know maximize an opportunity whatever it might be you know so i think as being a, a creative sure there's the images on screen there's the things that we create but there's also the other things that we have to solve and that takes a lot of understanding and context and you as a business owner can bring something special to that. Yeah. And, and if you're dealing with any top level creative professionals, they are all dealing with the same kind of stuff, budgets, deadlines, staffing, managing, 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 you know? Um, so if you want to be a creative director, uh, know that there's a lot of management that comes to it, whether you're running your own business or you're part of a network or you're part of an advertising agency, the CDs are, are tasked with doing a lot of business-oriented work. 
Very much so. This is what I call the myth of the lone auteur. Right. Right? Because really that, that I don't know, idealized image that many of us have here in the U.S. of the visionary creative often is ivory tower creating amazing things for the world doesn't really exist. It's not borne out by reality. No. Reality is you're working with a lot of people. There's a lot of moving parts. You're, ma you're managing, like you said, um, you're dealing with a lot of things that don't look like uh, or, or may not be just all about the work. There's a lot of other things that go into it. Sure, but you can find ways to make your business unique. Mm -hmm. And that's fun. Mm -hmm. And you have to make sure that you're excited about those things. You know, because I would say, you know, 70% of companies of the size of big star size, um, you know, that the boutique kind of well-to-do boutique size company, um, it's kind of the same, you know, the same gear, same amount of people, hierarchically very similar, Yeah. you know, so what are those things that you can do with that 30% of your business that you can make unique? that's a fun, cool thing to have. And that, I think that to me is what's exciting about being a creative entrepreneur is that you can define that. And I'm just, it seems a little arbitrary, but it feels right to me about 30% of it is really up to you. Yeah. And you can make it special. And that 30% makes all of the difference in the world. It absolutely does. But it's funny because you're, you're reminding me how, you know, Tim and I and, and our team, we often talk about these seven ingredients that it takes to run a firm. And you're right, a lot of those ingredients are so similar across multiple companies. Oh, like, yeah. Like when, the way that you do accounting and finance and bookkeeping and all those things, it, there's not a lot of variation there. And same thing with operations, HR, I mean, the way that you hire people, the way that you employ people, whatever, you could go through all those things. Yeah. So your challenge really, of course, in order to stand out and distinguish yourself and be well positioned in the marketplace is that 30% I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah. How can it be really something awesome, something unique? And that you get, you know, as the entrepreneur, you have that, you have that choice. You do. And I think that's the magic. That of freedom, it. right? That's the yeah. magic of it. Yeah. Now, some people might have, you know, a different kind of vision and they want 80% to be uh, completely unique. Um, great. I, right. Go for it. Go, go for it. You know, I found that through the years, um, you know, there are some basic things that we like to have in place um, to give ourselves uh, stability, uh, to make ourselves good employers. You know, I, so uh, you sacrifice some of that uniqueness for some standardization. Um, and I think that for me, it's a very good thing. I like to have a solid platform that people can trust on both sides, on yeah. you know, the internal side as far as employees and partners, and then also for our clients to understand who we are. Okay, who, what kind of outfit are we hiring here? You know, um, do they have these basic things? Um, those are, it's really important to have those basic things. I'm curious if you've, like in my journey, if you've had a similar, I don't know, experience or thought mm. about the value of stuff that I think of as really rather mundane systems, routines, you know, these tools and so forth, which now for me today are really, really important. But if I'm honest, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was starting What's my business, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't be more bored by, you know, tracking and data and information, finance, whatever that sort of stuff. And right. now I've really come to embrace, and I'm hearing it in, in kind of what you're saying, that there are some really important pieces and parts. And obviously this is where you and Team RevThink spent a lot of time in maintaining and, and keeping those systems going so that I would say they, they, they provide a platform and a foundation so that you can really put your energy into the work, into the creativity, into whatever it is that you're really trying to focus on and those systems are there taking care of business. Yeah, I, I would say you wanna systemize uh, as much as you can without limiting your flexibility and creativity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it sure, cash flow, administrative finances, um, you know, contracting, um, the way you do scope of work, 
so on and so forth. Like those things should be somewhat standardized. The way you produce your schedule should be somewhat standardized. Um, Cause you don't want to over communicate with those things and you want those things to be in black and white, very understood. Um, it allows you to expend more of your energy on the creative problem solving. I would say nothing is on autopilot. You know, as a creative entrepreneur, it is your job to stay in touch with all of the primary elements that make your business work and continue to be creative about molding those elements. Continue to challenge the people you work with that make those elements um, move every day, right? And have, have some fun with it, you know? Uh, challenge the people around you to, to do a better job. Be more creative in, what, in, in, in how they approach things. And this is not just for your designers and, and animators. This is for everybody in your, everybody that you come into contact with. Now, that's a, a big ask. It is a big ask. That is a big ask. That is saying, I will be the engine of innovation in my company no matter what. I will be looking in the nooks and crannies of the way things happen day in and day out, whether it's how the dishes are done or how the... Um, you know, how we render for final output and everything in between. There are certain points where you don't want to micromanage and you want to just allow people to do what they can do for your business and, and, and for the people within your business. And that's great. But keeping an eye on all of that, everything is really important. That, that's your job, you know. Yeah, there's a lot. of It takes so much tenacity, right? It, it, it does take a lot of tenacity. You have to really be able to, like you said, get excited about and embrace the idea that you're going to be keeping your eye on a lot of things and you're going to go through seasons where it, I call them the 2 a.m. issues, right? Where you will go through entire seasons where you're up at two in the morning thinking about the most random, like how the dishes are being done and what clients think when they walk <laughs> it's in. It's such and, a bad example. I'm sorry about the dishes, dishes but, but like, yeah. No, but it's, it is, in a way, it's very much like, I can remember um, I was super focused at times about having fresh cut flowers in our studio because when clients came in I wanted that sort of a, a setting and I'm like yeah. why, why was that my job I don't know because it was my job all right to, to, to pay attention to the big picture oh and by the way all these details now of course I'm I'm huge on focus on what your genius is build systems and routines so that you can focus and delegate I mean I'm, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm huge on that and I know, I know you would embrace that too but the journey does take a lot of tenacity. Absolutely, Always. and and I think with with running your own shop and the ups and downs of that, and 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 kind of the day to day management of that, it's it's interesting in that um, once you trust somebody uh, that you work with every day, things become a lot easier. You you you're able to understand that someone else is putting their energy and creativity into a section of your business and then that's when things start to get really interesting so they are starting to embrace that need for tenacity yeah they're starting to embrace the idea that it's not just about coming in and being good and you know doing what we've always done it's about going from good to great and from great to exceptional if you have a team around you that is truly going after that, you have to let them do it in their own way, even if you do really give a damn how the dishes are done. Right. You know, and that's, you have to find that, that balance. And um, you know, that is, is another very interesting part of the journey. Well, let me, let me ask you about that part of the journey because I know that you, your team has gotten stronger more solid, uh, more consistent over the past few years. How have you been able to accomplish that? Or what's, 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 what's behind that? Sure, sure. Well, for all this stuff we just said over the past, I don't know, half, half hour, 45 <laughs> minutes, um, you know, it's a, it, it, small business, even more so than other scales, is really about the people. The, the people that you're working with day in and day out um, make it real. Um, 
without without the people that come in every day uh, to 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 do the work, to toe the line, to keep their eye on the ball, and to grow themselves as they grow your business. There's nothing. So, first of all, embrace that. Yeah. And appreciate it. Appreciate that. Absolutely, Joel. Appreciate that people, you know, this is not, and this is where, you know, you come into it with an ego and say, I have a mark to make. I need to do these things. I, 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 me, me, me. You know, you have to let that go and you have to be about them. And that is a wonderful thing. It's, it's, it's great to see people uh, to, to grow, uh, you know, to, um, not, not as, as individuals, but, you know, to, and, and professionals, um, to see their lives change, you know, in front of your eyes and be a facilitator for positive change in people's lives. And, you know, you're not leading their lives. They're leading their own lives. And you have to, you know, you have to understand that not everybody is like you, especially when it comes to your own business, you know? So there's all this stuff wrapped up with ego and wrapped up with um, running your own shop. And you have to let a lot of that go and embrace the idea that it's really not about you. It's about a team and your job is to just as tenacious as you are about everything else, about your computer systems, about the last pitch that you put out, about how the dishes are done. You have to be more tenacious about being good for the people around you. And, um, and that means, um, you know, getting to understand, uh, really what works for them and, and trying to be there for them as a company, not as an individual, but as a company. Yeah. And I, th- I think, Obviously, people, it doesn't take people long, especially when they're an employee, for them to know whether or not you really have their best interests at heart and whether or not you have an appreciation for they have a career, not just a job, right? That's right. And That's right. Right. And you're playing a part in it. Right. And your story and their story are merging for this season of your life, of their life. And I do think when people know, you know what, this person really does have my best interest at, at heart. You're, you're laying a foundation called, okay, now we can have a really successful relationship here right. as employer, as employee. And you have to act on that. Mm-hmm. You can't just have their best interests at heart and do nothing about it. You have to actively pursue things that are going to get them closer to the goals that you have. And you have to understand their goals and you have to talk to p- people about their goals in order to, it, and that's work, you know, yeah. and that's, where you're not in a position like um, you're not necessarily in a position of control because it's somebody else's life. You know, you are in a position of learning from them what works for them and then reflecting that in your business um, because you want them to stay around. Um, and that's it's very rewarding. But it's it's unlike and I think more complex than any other part of your business is your relationship with people. I think you really have to take that very seriously because especially in this marketplace now, there's a, there's a lot of different configurations with the way people want to work, where they want to be, the hours that they want to take on, um, the responsibility that they're willing to take on, and you have to have a good understanding of that. And, um, you know, for us... I try to, I try to hold on to those people that I really like working with, mm-hmm. um, by understanding what it, what works for them, and making sure that we have we're aligned, you know, that we have shared goals, and that we truly align. And if you don't align as a as a small business, if your employees and their goals and their lifestyle doesn't allow, align with what your company needs, then you're not, it's not going to last. Right. You know, so start to understand how those things can align on both the employer and employee side and um, be aware of it and do your best to facilitate, you know, both sides of that. I would also say that, you know, know, Joel's sitting in my office right now and we're we're in my office, but we have a glass wall and we're looking onto a floor and the contact is there. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, in a small company like a big star, um, there's a lot of contact. There's a lot of creative contact. You know, you're not going to work at a company like this, I wouldn't think, at least it's true here, for more than three or four hours on your own. 
right? without somebody checking in and saying, like, hey, how is this going creatively? What are you producing? Let's talk. Let's get into it. The producer saying, where's my stuff? Is it going to be ready my by stuff? two? I or the send CD it. myself. I walk around. This, I get bored. I start walking around and just looking at people's work. Yeah, sure. You know, and just, oh, that's that's cool. Or or maybe that color's a little weird. Let's try this. Or, you know, um, hey, did you look at this footage or that reference or whatever? So you're going to get a lot of input, right? Um, it's very so, relational, yeah, right? Yep. Industry, especially when you're at this level of a s small shop. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. There's just a lot of contact. There's a lot of social creative that's happening here. So for me, it's like I kind of don't give a shit about software capability. That's one thing I, I could give a damn. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yeah, you need to know Photoshop, what an alpha channel is, so on and so forth. You know, the the basic stuff that really you could learn in three months using YouTube. You can have the technical skills on a software level in three months using YouTube to walk into my office and say, I know how to use the, the gear that you guys use. And yeah. you'd probably be okay, mm -hmm. right? Yep, can, capable. Can, right, capable on a skill level. Now, do you, have, do you have great taste? That's a big thing, yeah. you know? Um, do you uh, communicate well? Do you work hard? Do you stay focused? Or, you know, and it, it's like, do, do you mean it when you come into work every day? Mm -hmm. do, you, do, do you mean it? And are you gonna, are you gonna reach high? Um, and if you mean it and you're gonna reach for it and you're motivated and, you know, dedicated to building your career and you know that means hard work and showing up, then we've got an interesting conversation to have. Um, if you have those elements and then you can show me you do something well, one thing well, that's kind of one of my big things when I hire young kind of juniors is show me that you can do one thing well and like you know really well, really well, you know what it is to do something well. And I find a lot of people um, uh, kind of lack in that department because there's a real big difference between doing um, a lot of things okay and being able to be a cog on a wheel and, and just have the gear, use the gear, do a bunch of stuff um, and create some, some, some moments. That's, that's cool that you've, you've done that and you're interested and so on. But there's an artistic perfectionist side that I wanna see. And it could be, I've produced a song, listen to it and it's like, Holy shit, that's amazing. That's, mm. that's beautiful. You must have spent thousands of hours getting yourself to right. that level. Um, Dealing with meticulous complexity. You know, it's that. And the persistence. Of yeah, the persistence, tenacity do, of the work and the yeah, craft. Yeah, the tenacity yeah. of the work and understanding that it takes a lot to do something that's great and have had that experience. That's really big. And I feel like... Um, there is a, a deficit of that experience in, in a lot of younger people right now um, because of how fast things are moving. You know, that, that, that younger people are not allowed, when I say younger people, I mean 30 and below, are, haven't had the, um, the artistic opportunity to really sit and create and fail and create and fail and go through the process of going from zero to great um, in any one thing because oh, the see, world yeah. is so fractured, yeah. you know, and, and there's so many things available and it's uh, all the accessibility that you have. So uh, drawing is a big thing, you know, um, I feel yeah. like that takes a lot of time and skill. I like to see people. I'll hire people. You can't cheat it. You, you can't, can't fake cheat it. it. It's not a software-based thing. You know, it's not something that you can just pick up from a tutorial. It's something you have to really work hard to develop. Um, so I love to see that in new hires. Uh, that's one of my number one things. And of course, the the whole like hardworking and showing up and really wanting yeah. not a job, but a career. I don't want people in here that are just interested in a job. There's no jobs here. <laughs> There's no jobs here, only careers. Only careers, yeah. So you're talking about the 
you're, you know, you're saying some things about the industry. And one thing I really appreciate about you, I mean, obviously your willingness to sit here and chat with me and share your thoughts. You have a, you have a generous spirit, which I appreciate willing to share and, and talk to your peers in the industry and ask the questions, Hey, how can I not only just make my business stronger, but how can I even speak to the industry so that the whole industry can be stronger? Um, I'm curious just to hear your thoughts on where do you think the industry is and what are some of the opportunities on how we can improve as businesses together Mm -hmm. in terms of, Hey, what are our best practices? How do we avoid being taken advantage of, you know, there's class, there's the classic questions of pitching and payment terms and these kinds of things. But do you have, do you have sort of a hope or, or desire for where we as an industry can get stronger? Mm. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's a, a great question. Um, where can we get stronger as an industry um, together? I think it's that together part that um, needs to be addressed. Hmm. Um, I, I think that there's very few organizations in our space as far as you know, motion design, um, creative production companies. Um, there's very few platforms for us to, to even talk to each other with any kind of honesty. And I, I think that's probably a first step. I haven't been very active in participating in anything like that industry-wide. So, hey, this, this might just be my perspective. You know, I, well, I mean, I would, yeah, I mean, I guess in your defense, I would say, well, where would you be active? Because to your point, there are places I think we can, of course, kind of plug in as an industry. But when you set the bar at and be honest, that's sort of a different level. Yeah, right? it, it is. And, and you know, I, I think with, you know, you look at um, commercial production and, you know, things like the DGA and the unions on those sides. And, right. you know, not that I agree with everything they do, but there are platforms uh, that it's, it's assumed that people get involved in, mm-hmm. you know, sure. as, as, as being professionals. Yeah, and I think of AICP on the commercial side, right? Yeah, like exactly. That's, yeah, that's, AICP that's, is a great example. That's been also pretty effective in, in some corners. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think that it's time for us to create a little bit of pushback um, to the demands that um, our clients are putting on companies like ours. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, the pitch culture is... Uh, is an interesting one. It's a, you know, it's one that is, um, you know, it's, it's kind of part of what makes this thing tick, you know? Right, Um, right. But it's it's also... It's not not going away. No, it's not going... I don't think... It is is a necessary... uh, I I don't want to say evil, but... Well, in a way, it's like, it's a challenge that we should be up for as, Mm. as an industry. Um... And I think that it's a part of our culture that fits in with what it is to be a creative entrepreneur and start a small business. It kind of speaks to that desire to challenge ourselves and to, and to kind of buck the system in a way and to, um, you know, win on your own creative muscle and thinking um, you know, it speaks to the ego of all of that, of, you know, small businesses and even medium sized businesses like, OK, well, we will walk into this bad situation because we all all know that typically pitches are kind of bad situations for us when it comes to, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. sound business practices. Right. Everybody can't win. Everybody can't win. And you can be up against a lot of different people and not have the, the right setup, you know, um, it's it's such an interesting, ridiculous, risky challenge that I and I and I think that it I'm I'm, I'm searching for the word, but it it, it reaches into our, our kind of drive. It, it does, and it, I think it, so. Here's what was my thought as you were talking because I love the fact that you like had a smile on your face when you talked about it. Sort of goes with what it means to be a creative entrepreneur, and I'm like, God, that's a really optimistic view of something that's otherwise really crappy. Because it is this mixed I think bag, we like right? the competition in a way. Well, here's what I find, right? This, that, that 
as a creative person and as an entrepreneur, um, you can't have an entitlement attitude. No. And so no, one, you can't. What I would, one thing I've often said is, as a creative entrepreneur, you really are in this position where you can't expect, no, you can't expect reward until you first create value. Right? Like it's really on you to step up and create something and put yourself out there. And then the world says, thank you. Here's your reward. And that's sort of maybe right. what you want that. You want that challenge. You want to be sporting about the way that you do your work. Yeah. And yeah, no, you, you, and I think that the pitch culture kind of takes advantage of that instinct of course uh, in, it, in us. Right. Like yeah, that's why we say, yes, I'll, right, yes, right. I'm in. And Sign in the up. worst case scenario, it's like, we're a bunch of hyenas and we're just like, fighting over a carcass right? Right. and it's right. like and it's just not good it's not good for anybody right that's worst case scenario um i think that um you'll you'll find that um you know really really smart clients many times are able to create more fair environments for their pitches and yeah, stuff absolutely. like that um but sometimes it's not the case sometimes it, the client is great and it's smart and then you know you end up with a dud uh, of a pitch and you know you're you're paying five figures for the dud, pleasure a dud of a client at times sometimes at times yeah 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 so I, I think that absolutely some basic um practices and rules for for pitching projects would be great so would you would you agree with me when i what i what i find is that um success teaches you very little right but when you so the <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately yes. right yeah. So again, part of the part of the pitching culture and and just the competitive world that we're in, it's when you fail that you like I'll never forget that. I'll oh, yeah. never like the the pain and the <laughs> the misery of that really galvanizes you and it does brings it brings back that tenacity of I will be I will get better. I will be stronger. Absolutely. And that I mean that's that's what's cool about the journey. Mm -hmm. That's like the thing that that keeps us here and keeps you interested and pitching pitching is a great platform for that process so i don't think pitching should go away at all i just feel like i went through a very similar situation with a massive rebrand for a massive company that i was feeling like and i'm sure you're feeling the same way this is going to put us on that to that next level right sure. as far as the way the industry views us you know Right. Plus, you're going to create something that stands, Hello, big time. stands the we're test gonna get of time. There. Stands the test of time. And yeah. so we are going to double down and we're going to double down and we're going to double down and we're going to outwork everybody. God. We're going to outspend everybody. And we're just going to win the thing. Right. <laughs> I'm just groaning. By any here. means necessary. And I went through the exact same process and we were the last company standing. We got a call from our client and said, you're the last ones. And I said, is that an award? We don't know yet, but you're the last ones. I'm dying inside. I'm dying. And, and then, um, yeah, it turned out that they never sort of were going to. They, they decided away. not to launch that network. And yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to strategy. I understand how that can happen. Yeah, it's just it's just truly irresponsible, and small companies like us should not foot the bill for that. That's that's. That's all it's about that, right there. Yeah, it's like it, at that it, point, just don't put us out of business. You've created amazing value, right? There has yeah. to be consideration. Yeah, just don't put us out of business. Please. Yeah. Thanks. We, and that's not right. We, and that's not going to make the industry stronger. No, no, it's not. The more that that happens. And I think also it undermines, uh, you know, it undermines confidence in, in this creative world that we're in and the creative process and can really kind of, um, you know, it can ruin companies. Um, well, it made, and, I know it made and individuals. Me, it made me very gun shy, right? Because yeah. the next call you get called, hey, we have this big opportunity. We want you guys to jump into this. It is a competitive pitch. You're immediately like, okay, whoa, shame on you, shame on me. I mean, that whole well, maybe equation. You, sm you smarten up a little bit. Yeah, you smarten up you a know, little bit. Um, we have, you know, just as we're saying, perhaps there should be some standards and practices put out there into the world saying, Hey, um, you know, this is the rules of pitching with companies like ours. You have to create your own rules. Mm -hmm. You have to be disciplined yourself. Very much so, so. when you take on a pitch, you don't just empty your pockets and your coffers and, you know, put your people at risk because you think you have the best idea. Because you don't know what's on the other side of that boardroom. 
and you don't know the connections that your other companies have and the experiences that they have and so on and so forth and hey that's all part of the world but just don't don't overcommit yourself um to put yourself in a poor enough position where if you don't get the pitch you're really, really going to hurt your business don't do that be disciplined you know and communicate with your clients say okay well this is here's our idea this is your pitch so use references use writing you know go there in person make a you know use your use your verbal skills of articulation and work that relationship don't just put hours and hours and muscle and muscle behind it on a design and animation level and think that's going to win the day i have a good friend who says who was an employee of mine who she would always say hope is not a plan (laughs) yeah right and and when i think about how to how best companies can navigate that experience i would say yeah be shrewd and just be smart Yeah, because there's a way to actually navigate how you go through that process. Absolutely, and I think clients react well to it. Sure, you know, because again, if you can step up and not just react, but be the leader and be the guide, you put yourself in a much stronger position. And when when companies clients see you protecting yourself, they respect it. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, they they know what and they're they doing. And if they don't, it's a really big red flag. Yeah, you're like, whoa, they don't respect us as a you know, collaborator as a partner, whatever that, how you want to characterize that relationship. And as soon as you're working with somebody who doesn't respect you, you're in a bad, you're in a bad place. Yeah. Time to move on. Yes. Yes. Cause there's nothing really good. That's going to come of it. Right. Now there are highs and lows in relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and don't just back away at the first sign of, of, of issues. You, know, you have to, you have to stay in the pocket. Yeah, you got to fight. You know, and you've got to find out ways to to, to manage and to um, work on relationships um, with with your clients um, with as much honesty as you can. Um, I, I mean, I think that being transparent is really really important. I, that's it's kind of the easiest way to solve problems. Usually, is to be transparent. Right, and, you know, vul- and just say, vulnerable even. Yeah, vulnerable even. Say, okay, well, let me just tell you where we are. So, you know, you gave us 5K for the pitch. We have spent more than double that. And we're really excited about where we are. But if we're going to push further, we need some support. Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to lend that support, we understand. It's something we'll consider. But we're getting to a point where we're limited with how much we can move forward. With right. This. Here's what we can do. Yeah. Here, what can you do? And right. Let's just figure ha- this out. Just have a conversation. And this yourself. is in a way, I think part of the opportunity that we're getting to in terms of how to make the industry stronger <clears throat> is actually giving the next generation, the up and comers, giving them permission to join those of us who know there are ways to do this respectful. There are ways to, to operate a business healthy and help them understand, hey, here's what those rules of engagement can be. Here mm. are the terms under which, you know, how we get paid, how we're recognized, how the process goes, whatever. And in a way, help bring up the overall industry with those practices, those standards, those ways of doing business that I think makes everyone, again, makes everyone stronger rather than just the young guys who are putting it all on the line. They have they don't know what it means to have self-respect. They don't know what it means to run a healthy business yet. Like, let's help them see what that looks like. Yeah, it's interesting because part of me is like, yeah, totally, Joel. And then the other part of me is like, why would I do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, of course, you're crazy. Why, why would you do that? And it's... Well, I think that standards and practices is one thing. Yep. I think that, that's really good. But I also believe in the hard-earned experiential knowledge of what it is to to run a creative shop like this for almost 15 years and what what that means as far as how we're able to interact with our clientele nobody told us how to do it right so right uh, in a way i'm like i want to earn it i earned it and i want to take advantage of that yeah you know competitive advantage of that to be perfectly honest with you yep um but uh you know we're in a different place you're a mentor to these up-and-coming companies Mm -hmm. you know and you know, I'm someone who is now reaching a part of my career and Big Star is at a point where we finally figured some of these things out. And it's, you know, and, and again, it's about the people around us. I can't, 
I can't manage these relationships um, with these networks and our other clients myself. I'm not the one on the phone with them. You know, it's my EP. It's Carson yeah, sure. Hood that is working with them day in and day out, managing those relationships, looking after our best interests. And of course, you know, we're partners behind the scenes and we talk about all these mm -hmm. things. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, it takes a long time to, to, to get to the point where you have those people around you and you have the knowledge to, to, to you know, uh, navigate through all this stuff. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's part of the fun. Well, that's actually a really good parting thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey and it, and it is fun. But thanks for sharing all your thoughts on this and congratulations on all just the continued success. It's exciting to be here and sure thing, see the Joel. team and see you guys thriving. Well, we'd like having you around. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great to talk this stuff out. Uh, you know, I feel like there's so much to say. Um, and, and, you know, there's also... Um, so many different ways of talking about these things. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the the bottom line for me is is really get good people around you, and be creative in the way that you work through every day. You should have a a, a pretty good time, uh, and hopefully some success comes along with that. Rev Thinking is produced by Rev Think. Feel free to connect with us at RevThink.com. We'd love to help. And hey, if you like the Rev Thinking Podcast, please do us a favor by subscribing on iTunes and giving us your feedback. Thanks for listening to Rev Thinking. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.